Rogue Table Talks, number 90. <laughs> Come number on. Number 90. Um, uh, Nueve team Exactly. <laughs> no, no idea. Uh, no number idea. 90. No idea. Um, and we are, it's uh, late January here and I'm snowy. It's cold and snowy here in the heartland, and uh, it is not where you are. I wish I was there, honestly. That I love it's cold and snow. Yeah, it's like uh, going to be fifty and sunny. Yeah. So that's not bad. That's not bad either. But I do love yeah. a little snow. <laughs> Complaining about fifty and sunny. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely prettier. I mean, me too. I mean, if it's going to be thirty-five degrees and rain and gray, mm-hmm. I'd rather have it be, you know. 30 degrees and have snow on the ground uh it's yeah. just much prettier and nicer and whatever so um but yes here we are uh in the year of our lord 2021 which sounds like a science fiction movie uh but it is not <laughs> it's real people definitely turn their head when you say year of our lord 2021 because they yeah really <laughs> yeah yeah, especially if you're a certain age. You just, I used to think of 2000 being like, oh, the year 2000. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, and then, you know, 2020. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's crazy. Um, so we are, uh, we're going to be talking about a, a, a passage where um, Jesus sets off toward Jerusalem. Uh, and it's, uh, there is an old Testament passage that sort of, uh, speaks to it as well, but it's a, uh, um, I mean, in, in a sense, there's a, there's a point in the book of Luke, Luke in particular, where it's like, this is the last six months and, uh, he's, you know, setting off for what he knows what's ahead of him. And, you know, it makes me think of, you know, this sort of an athlete, um, you know, working towards the goal. The Olympics are uh, supposedly this summer. I'm not sure if they're right if they if they yeah, still yeah. happen or oh, now what would happen if they do 2022 will they still call it 2020 olympics 2020 i don't know it's a dilemma yeah i don't know i mean i guess they could vaccinate all the athletes i suppose but they're going to need fans at some point i would i would guess mm-hmm. uh anyway but this sort of self-discipline or discipline of working towards a goal or you know, a scholar working on their dissertation or there's some season, you know, when you're, uh, you know, you're buckling down, you know, Mm -hmm. you're resolutely go pushing, uh, forward. And, um, I, I think that's easy to sort of, you know, relate to, we can all kind of understand that. Um, except I don't know if we think of our spiritual life or our mission here, you know, our spiritual mission, uh, here on earth in the, in that sense, you know, right. I mean, I think, um, that, you know, that, uh, we want to sort of, um, you know, we talk about the bigger story, living, living in the bigger story. And I think one of the reasons we don't live it is we kind of want to imagine a story that's less demanding, you know, that's, uh, you know, more, more comfortable, uh, more easy, more pleasant. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so I don't know what, I mean, what do you think about that? The sort of the self, I know there's sort of this push pull of grace and freedom. And then there's this resolute, 
um, you know, moving the mission forward uh, and, you know, making peace between those two. But I mean, I just feel like I don't see a lot of, uh, often in myself or, or others, this sort of sense of we have to push the mission forward and be resolute, uh, you know, as Paul talks about, like an athlete in training and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I mean, what's your sense of that? Yeah, I, whenever I think about that concept, I go to, um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, you know, uh, I, I worked harder than the rest of them. I'm talking mm-hmm. about, you know, apostles laboring. I worked harder, but it was not me. It was mm-hmm. the grace of God in me. Mm-hmm. So he's able to hold, to me, it's a bit of an ambiguity of, is it God's grace to me? Do I do something? Do I wait? Do I act? Uh, if I act, is it me alone? If I act, is it in God's power? Like all of the questions that kind of can kind of come up. And I think maybe we get bogged down in overthinking it. Um, mm-hmm. The call is to be resolute like, like an athlete. That's several analogies in the new Testament, a farmer, an athlete, um, someone who's competing in games who is disciplining themselves towards the goal and these other things such as prayer and trust. And those are all a part of it, but there is, there's the effort. Great. What, what, what is it? Grace is not, a, I think it's uh, John Ortberg. Grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. Mm. Oh, that's good. Something like that. Yeah, that's good. I think that's right. I think, but we often want to imagine grace being opposed to effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, everything's sort of easy. Uh, and that's not, you know, obviously we don't see that in Paul's life and any of the, the, the apostles life and Jesus life. It's, you know, there's a lot of hardness and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see that here. So let me, let me, uh, jump into this passage. It's the, again, it's the point in the story, in the story where Jesus, he's got six months to go basically. And he sets out towards Jerusalem, Luke 9, 51 through 55. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. So this time approaches for him to go to heaven, which is, you know, it's one way of putting it. Other stuff has to happen. Like he has to, you know, be beaten and die on a cross and so on. Um, but Jesus resolutely, resolutely sets out um, for Jerusalem. And it's kind of as a continuation of that question. Like if you knew that this season of the mission that you're living out or that you're responsible for ended in six months, you know, so we're here in late January. So in late July, you know, something big would happen in your life and it would be the, the end of the part of the mission you're on, let's say. What would that mean? I mean, what would you, what would that mean for your focus, for your determination? Do we think of our Christian life in that way? Should we, um, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Psalm, Psalm 90, 12 comes to mind. Um, teach us to number our days mm. that we could get wisdom. And I think, I, I want to say this well, but people who 
have been given a diagnosis of like a terminal illness um, probably could teach us a lot about how that impacts their calendar and their yeah. priorities and what they're what that means for them, like what they're going to do now. I've got six months. OK, well, OK, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do this. Um, and so in some sense, yeah, I mean, we have it's like we have to think of I have a very brief lifespan. I think we're a bit insulated from death. Yeah. I think the pandemic has brought it more to the forefront for uh, for yeah. the West. But, you know, you and I went to Africa and, and Katsakara and they're not insulated from death. Right. And what was their lifespan? Probably 40, 40 yeah. years. Yeah. If that. I mean, if they can't get to die. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. And, and you know, if you got a, a six months to live, you know, one response is to lay on the couch and watch TV and say the heck with it. Um, but that's a pretty, we would recognize that as a pretty unhealthy response uh, that one might regret um, later. Uh, but I think sometimes when we're, I don't know, overwhelmed with life, we're just the heck with it. Um, and there's there's just there's just not a sense of purpose. And I also think if we don't feel like we're we're actually having some sort of success, I mean we're not we if we're discouraged in our growth and our efforts or whatever, then that leads us you know away, uh, you know away from living resolutely. Uh, and I think those two things kind of go together. If you spend one too many days on the couch, then you feel like you're not having success, which leads to another day on the couch, maybe for some people. Um, but yeah, I think this, this, I mean, I, I was, I was watching, I asked my, my team to watch the Martian, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Matt, Matt Damon, mm -hmm. um, one of the things I kind of want to talk through with them. Uh, it's a pretty interesting movie. It's a pretty, I mean, it's, it's not, there's nothing inappropriate in it really, but it's a pretty non-Christian movie. It's a pretty celebration of the human spirit. You know, we can, you know, whatever we can do anything movie. Um, but what I kind of wanted to talk through, you know, we're, we face these big problems that are never fully solved. Um, and what, you know, what do you do? Well, you just, you know, like it, he says at the end of the movie, what do you do? You know, you're faced with your own death. You, you do the math, you solve this problem, you move on to the next problem. You start, you kind of resolutely. And of course, you know, when he's there, like every day he had to act to, you know, grow the potatoes and to, you know, recover from the loss of the potatoes and to figure out what the next step was and, you know, communicate with, uh, you know, the earth and, you know, all this stuff. He had to do all this stuff um, to, to live and to get, you know, uh, to keep the possibility of rescue alive. Like every day was, you know, his, he had to keep going. Um, and of course, we're not quite in that life or death situation necessarily, but we, there's a sense of, do we have a sense of purpose where today matters, mm -hmm. right? Do we, that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of what, like for Jesus, today matters. I know where I'm going and today is a part of this bigger plan. Today matters. My spiritual growth today matters. My spiritual impact today matters. Uh, my relationship to the body of Christ today matters. Uh, and I think because we don't feel like we face death, because we feel like we've, there's plenty of time for this and plenty of time for that or whatever, maybe 
Um, I'm not sure we, you know, I don't think we live with a sense of purpose. Like, you know, not, it, everything doesn't ride on today, but today matters. Uh, well, I, I, I think, you know, like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, that's why it's so important to focus on what we're doing today. I think in some senses, tomorrow is the enemy of today. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Annie, Annie Dillard, uh, Christian author, said how we spend our days is how we spend end up spending our lives. And what she means is what you're doing today and the daily small habits or rituals or rhythms that you typically do, that that usually doesn't change. And so you'll keep doing those things and that's what's going to compile up in the totality of how you live your life. So what you, so it's not, Oh, I'll do that tomorrow or we'll start that next year. Again, in some senses, it's what am I doing right now today to build into the mission, to submit myself to Christ, to love my neighbor, whatever that is. And, and those things start to build and alter the trajectory of our future. Yeah, I can't change, I can't, which growth is change and impact is change. I can't change the future without taking some action today, mm -hmm. uh, growing today, um, you know, praying for someone today, uh, whatever, you know, serving today, being on mission today, giving today. Uh, I can't become a person who does those things or is whatever. I can't become more loving. I can't become a more loving person without taking a step in that direction today. Like one of these days, I mean, maybe not today, but tomorrow then, I mean, one of these days, otherwise the, it's the accumulate, like you said, it's the accumulation of these days that make up our life. And if, mm -hmm. you know, if every day is just like the other and you never, you know, step into the mission, um, then, you know, that's what we see. And I think uh, I, I, the disciples are, um, are always such a, I think a good mirror for us and like how we get it wrong or how we get, you know, priorities wrong. And I don't think they, they don't, they don't really realize what's going on in the moment. And so they're reflecting back on, on this from a perspective of, you know, kind of how clueless they were. Um, but, uh, so, resolutely sets out for Jerusalem, resolutely sets out towards the crucifixion, right? And, okay, we're sent many, we're messengers ahead. We're going to go to this Samaritan village. And, you know, Samaritans didn't want anything to do with it because there's a bunch of Jews going to Jerusalem. And the disciples say, hey, do you, you know, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus, you know, uh, rebukes them. And so, you know, what... <laughs> so, I mean, what, what they're doing is sort of lost on the disciples enough to where, you know, I know we're with this guy and it's super important. And so that therefore what I'm going to do with that is everyone who's against us needs to be destroyed. Is, isn't, isn't that often kind of what we do about mm -hmm. the world around us? Mm -hmm. We're Absolutely. on the right team. We're on the winning team. Everybody who doesn't think so, fire from heaven, baby. And I love that they ask Jesus, like, like as if Jesus couldn't call down fire from heaven. Um, you know, 
<laughs> James and John said, do you want us to call him a fuck? And, <laughs> and so like, don't like, that's a way of not actually being resolutely setting out on mission is to view it as a battle against enemies to be defeated. I'm always so curious. Like I'm genuinely curious when people hear this, um, and I'm trying to see if, if, I, if I've been up to this lately, probably somewhere, but when people hear this and they're so blatantly on social media or something out that's very out loud, participating in this type of response, like, Hey, we, these guys are the enemy. They should be destroyed type thing. If they were just wiped off the face of the planet, life would be better. Um, and then they hear something like this. Why, why do you think they don't think they're doing it? Like, why do you think they don't think that this is them? Or maybe they feel like yeah. we're, they're right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I, I do think we tell ourselves pretty stories and then we get so invested in the story. It's really hard to see that we were wrong about this thing. The more that you want to call down fire, like every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, to get yourself to a point where you think, well, maybe calling down fire is the wrong move is a lot harder. You know, you know, you the accumulation of your days, momentum. as you just said, right? This momentum yeah. I've invested, I've been out on social media. I've been calling down fire on social media. So everybody knows I'm calling down fire, which is a good reason not to call down fire on social media. So now if I, I want to go back and say, you know what? I shouldn't have been calling down fire. It's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's part of it. You know, we just deceive ourselves completely. Um, and part of the reason is we're, it's just easier. It's easier to call down fire because if you think about like what, what Jesus, what is Jesus setting out resolutely for? He's setting out resolutely among other things to die so that these very Samaritans could come to the knowledge of the gospel and have eternal life um, which is the very opposite of let's consume them with fire and if they don't respond to the gospel that will have its own eternal consequences we don't need to worry about it like we don't need to ever call down fire um, that's just not something we ever need to do yeah. you know we're on this mission to offer the gospel to people for their transformation and if they don't accept that transformation, that that has its own consequences. That that isn't ours to enact or do anything with. Um, and so we, oh, uh, uh, go ahead. it feels righteous to call down. I mean, you it just feels so righteous, and it's so, then it's therefore so much easier than loving these people with the gospel. Yeah, yeah, it feels it feels better. Um, it's a bit ironic because whenever we're calling down fire on somebody else, we think we're doing it in God's name on God's behalf. Right. And yet right. Jesus doesn't call down fire. So if right. Jesus exactly. isn't calling down fire, then right I don't, here. what right do I have? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not your job. I, you know, it's, it's, we shouldn't do it, it, but if it happens, it's not your job. Like that's not something you're going to ever have to worry about. Um, you know, and you know, all the Christians persecuted through the ages, a couldn't call down fire and B it's just not, that's not the right response. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and that's tip, but that's the culture that we're in. We're in a call down fire culture, uh, secular, you know, religious, everyone. Uh, and so it's easy to fall into that. Um, and especially if somebody calls down fire on you, huh, you know, there you go. You think that's fire? You know, I got fire right here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's interesting. And I do think that it, instead, if we're actually part of being resolute, and this is where I think these two ideas come together. So part of being resolute in our mission means I have to be resolute in my obligation to those people on the other side of all these issues. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. I have to steal myself and be disciplined and determined so that I can love them and present the gospel to them because I have an obligation to them. That's part of what my res. that's what I'm part of. That's, that's the Jerusalem we're resolutely setting out for is, is to, to be loving in an unloving, be gracious in an ungracious culture. Uh, and instead, um, I read this article, it was actually written in the summer. Uh, I think I might use it as in the culture thing coming up uh, in the next you know months, but um, you know, it's about just basically Christians tend to believe a lot of, conspiracy theory sort of thinking and you know there's there's issues with that but part of the reason that's a problem is you know what he says is what's a conspiracy theory but a lie and that we are espousing things that we do not know to be true negative things that we do not know to be true about other people and in so doing we're breaking the ninth commandment you know we're bearing false witness against people uh, because we don't, whatever we're alleging, you know, we don't know to be true personally. And we should just not be in that business at all. But that's kind of how we call down fire uh, is to say, well, you guys did this, which, you know, may not be true. Uh, if it is true, it's not our obligation to say it. If it, if we don't know it's true, then we're we're bearing false witness. Uh, against them. And so we're just, you know, we're defeating our own mission in the name of what we think is fighting the mission. Yeah, I've never made that connection. I think that's a interesting and good connection with the ninth commandment of bearing false witness. It seems to make sense. I think that probably applies to conspiracy theories. It probably applies uh, to a lot of things that we hear that we don't fact check, that we don't read, you know, about somebody that we just, Oh, I saw that. So I think it's true. And I trust that person. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's more what I mean. It's not even just the conspiracy theory, but even the conspiracy theory sort of thinking of, well, president so-and-so did thus and thus. And we don't really even know if that's true. We just read it somewhere on social media or this movie star did whatever. We don't know if that's really true. Uh, You know, it's we could be just repeating somebody else's lie and we actually we have a <laughs> those are the most that. awkward conversations i had a professor in college and he was just really good uh, he he had a phd in psychology of education from south carolina and he he always used to say well how do you know like how do you know that how do you know and so in the past several months i've heard a lot of conversations and some said to me personally and i just said well how do you know and it it's such an awkward conversation because we don't know. We don't know. We've, we heard it somewhere, maybe a friend, but now 
where the source they got it from is completely deleted or erased or something like that. And it's just like, I just wanted to get on this inertia or momentum about probably a, a back in the conversation of fire. I just wanted there's there's this fire here to yep. call down on something. Um, yeah. And this makes me feel good. And look, here's the thing. We're not a burnt. We're not a, a busy culture. We're a burnt out culture. So I get it. Like we need we're looking for some type of small story to make us feel better and some mm-hmm. type of uh, way to anesthetize. And the political game has always been a strong one or something around it. It's always been one of those things that we can ultimatize and say, aha, like this, or, or put our whole self behind. And it's not right. just that, but, but right now there's so much turmoil. We're in a pandemic. There's so much, um, well, there has been so much toxicity and fear so look, yeah, I'm looking for something to, to feel, and this makes me feel fire. Right, and I do think, yeah, that's the equivalent of calling down fire. Um, it's like we feel like we have to. I mean, our culture is you have to have a take on this. You can't not have a take. Mm-hmm. You know, is is Fauci a fraud? You know, it, instead of just saying, you know, I can't do anything about it one way or the other not really my business. I have no way of knowing. Um, I'm going to try to live wisely and on mission and lovingly and graciously now. And it's just not even helpful for me to weigh in on something that I don't need to weigh in on or, or this congressman or this person or whatever it is, or the president or this, whatever, uh, a past president or, um, and we get into this we get into these tribes that have staked these claims, then you're sort of feel obligated to defend your claim with a stronger claim. And you don't know if any of this is really true. It might be half of it might be three quarters of it might be, I don't know. Um, But that's just not part of being resolute and setting off is not getting entangled in a bunch of other stuff. That's extraneous. And that's, well, that's, yeah, that to me, that's the, the main focus of what, uh, you know, your notes and where we're trying to go saying is, you know, as Hebrews says, throw off all the entanglements and run the race. Like that just feels like a massive temptation of entanglement. And how can we really run the race? Well, you know, with that parachute attached to our back and the body weights on and um, it's look, right. it's a, we all have our entanglements. And I just think that's a real strong one that uh, we got to be careful to, to throw off. Yeah, and I think that part of it is we have misinterpreted, you know, the race. Like we don't get the race that we're in. We don't get the story we're in. It's easy to forget or be distracted. Um, And there's this passage, Isaiah 50, 6 and 7, which is kind of in parallel to this, you know, Luke 9 resolutely setting his face, uh, where it's, you know, it's in in the, the words of the Messiah, the future Messiah, uh, Isaiah 50, starting in verse six, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint and I will not be put to shame. And I know I will not be put to shame. So, you know, setting my face like flint, you know, flint is this hard, it's hard. I've hardened my face. I know that mocking beating, uh, spitting, uh, and all this stuff that seems disgraceful 
ultimately I will not be disgraced. I will not be put to shame, but I have to, I have to harden myself for this journey that I'm on because I know it's going to be difficult. And that's like, I just don't think, and I just think a lot of our Christian culture, a lot of what we talk about it, we, it, we don't even talk about the Christian life that way. Mm. It's a lot of rainbows and lollipops and unicorns and summer mm. days. And, you know, I, you know, we're the victor in Christ. Well, we're ultimately the victor in Christ, but <laughs> we might be beaten and disgraced and mocked and spit in the, in, in the meantime, you know, exactly. I, I, yeah. It depends on what we mean by victor in Christ. And if, when I think of this passage, this prophecy applied to Jesus going to the cross, if we can use that as a, a paradigm to say, this is the pattern of growth. This is when we talk about spiritual growth, this is what we mean that the pattern of death and resurrection is the way to growth, the pattern of going like Jesus parables, going into the ground and dying, being hidden, being covered, being buried, and then resurrecting. Like that's a daily pattern. And, and so if we can use this as a paradigm for growth, you can imagine that when we're attempting to walk the path towards growth, we will get a lot of opposition. Jesus knew I'm going to get a lot of opposition, not just the entanglement like we talked about, but look, there's direct opposition. Um, th the culture necessarily doesn't celebrate what what the Bible defines as growth. Right. We're not, they're not cheering us on. Maybe we've got right. family members. Maybe there's church people around us. Maybe I mean, we're going to get opposition when we start to try to walk in the pattern of death and resurrection. And I think that's why he knew in some senses, the father's with him, but the disciples are going to scatter. People are, they're already telling me this isn't a good idea. I'm, I'm carrying my cross alone, you know, in some senses. So I have to be the one that take responsibility and set my face like Flint. Yeah. It's like, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not tell ourselves a happy story. Let's not pretend that every day is going to be more wonderful than the next. Um, you know, let's be careful with the lyrics we're singing that they're not a little too happy dappy and that we, because <laughs> we want to believe them that this is part of it too, that all of the joy comes in the context of this, that I'm resolutely on mission and there's going to be opposition. And if, if I don't do that, it seems like, then I'm either going to pretend about what the mission is or, or misinterpret the opposition. Uh, or, you know, I mean, like I tell myself I'm on my mission while I'm trying to do things that avoid opposition, or I'm going to be in the call down fire business. Um, and you just don't get any sense of, of that. Uh, and I just think we think of our Christian lives as, and I think a lot of times in the church, we reinforce this view. It's onward and upward. It's it's more and better. And it is. And it's also opposition and hardship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and loneliness and darkness. And, you know, Paul, you know, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was whipped. I was stoned and left for death. I mean, and then, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain, whatever is good, whatever is. I mean, both of those things are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we don't understand really grace and transformation unless we understand the context of it is, you know, being on mission, dying, 
denying ourselves, carrying our cross, like that's all part of it. Uh, and Jesus understood it. The disciples obviously did not. Um, and, you know, what follows this is, you know, we don't have time to go into it, but, you know, other people, I'll follow you. Follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have holes, you know, birds have nests, but Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Like, this is not going to be easy. Like, we're not staying in hotels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to Jerusalem. We're not staying. We're not even staying in Motel 6. We're sleeping outside on the ground. You know, we, you know. It's going to be dusty. It's going to be, it's not going to be easy. Um, and I think that's, let's not kid ourselves that this life should be joyful and purposeful and full of grace and also hard. And, yeah, uh, you know, right. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore we need to be resolute and set our face like Flint. Um, what do you think it means to set your face like Flint? <laughs> Hmm. Like, interpret the analogy? I mean, what does it mean to me? I mean, that's what, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, the only thing I can come up with is, is, um, like, I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna train for this race. I mean, on race day, I know it's gonna be hard. I, I, sh- let's not be surprised. Or you show up for the first day of, football practice like hey people are bumping into me and knocking me down (laughs) what's going on here it's a scandal and i think that's like i no this is the way it's going to be hard get ready uh you know get ready you know prepare yourselves mentally and emotionally and spiritually for hardship is part of this deal I mean, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, no, I, that makes that. I, I mean, yeah, I, I did a half Ironman in 2010. Um, and so it's a long race, took me six hours and swim, bike, run. So when I think of set your face like Flint is I just had a training program and I wanted to do the race. That was the goal. That was the end was to mm-hmm. complete it. And so I had to choose every time that I had something on the calendar, I got to go for an hour run or I got to go for a two hour bike or blah, 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 whatever it is um, to get up and do it. Even when I didn't want to, to me, I don't know if we lost, we've lost the conversation of self-discipline, but self-discipline is you do something when your body is telling, you no. (laughs) And even, even when I, you know, I was probably halfway through and I was like, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And my wife just said, Nope, you've committed to it. And we're all sacrificing to get you this far and we're going to keep doing it, but we want you to finish the race or finish it and do it. And I remember even in the middle of the race, my older brother told me like, it's a mental battle. It's going to be a mental battle. It's not physical at that point in time. It's going to be mental and everything inside of you is going to communicate to you. You have to stop. You can't Mm -hmm. be doing this. This isn't right. And you just have to be mentally strong. And so that was for me. Yeah. That was a face, face like Flint. You got to like, shut yeah. those voices out yeah and i think there's a spiritual analogy of let's not be surprised at what the journey entails you know let's it's going to be blood sweat and tears to some degree it's going to be hard it's going to be demanding uh and let's uh steal ourselves and some let's encourage one another yeah uh, and, you know as your family did to you as part of what the body of christ to do like if this is hard let's not pretend otherwise uh let's help each other get through it um 
And that's partly, you know, grace offered to people is in that, that, you know, is in that context. If somebody stumbles on the race, you have grace and you help them up. Uh, and it's grace in the context of this mission and, and going forward. Um, and so it's not in conflict with being resolute because being willing to offer grace to somebody part is partly what I need to harden my face towards mm-hmm. instead of what I want to do. Um, so let's leave it there. Let's leave it there with, uh, you know, pondering for you, what does it mean for you to be resolute and to set your face like Flint uh, and to pursue God's mission? Uh, and how do we help one another to do that? Uh, and that's, you know, that's the question we'll leave us. That's the question I think Jesus leaves us with in this passage. Uh, and so let's ponder that uh, this week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.